You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? Southside Sox podcast number 99. Di Billick, our delightful Saturday recapper, is not with us. She's attending some, I don't know, condo association, something or other. She wants to be president. She's going for a, a power grab. So we cannot ask her to do the Dallas Keuchel belongs in a dumpster song. But the truth is, if Dallas Keuchel belongs in a dumpster, he's going to have to make room in the dumpster because Larry Garcia has got to join him in the dumpster and Tony La Russa belongs in the dumpster. And even Yasmani Grandal is playing like he needs a little bit of space in the dumpster. I can't do it justice, but I have a feeling this song might be added to the way things are going these days for the White Sox. Coming off of a week of losses... <laughs> Seven game losing streak going from the best team in baseball very early, very small sample size, but best team in baseball sounds a lot better than seven game losing streak, six and nine record, awful run differential, fourth worst team in baseball based on run differential. Uh, we have four guests for this podcast in case there are other Southside Sox writers itching to join in the uh, mob mentality that this podcast promises to be. It's Podcast 99. I'm Brett Valentini. Let's go around for a little quick reaction on this last week. Hey, listen, we went from best to worst, and I'm going to reverse it. Chris Wallace gets picked, Chris Wallace gets picked first. I'm going to go for the other half of the Indianapolis field office. It is Super Joseph Reese's. Joe, how you feeling after seven losses? How you feeling about this White Sox team? It has certainly been an eventful week and not in a good way. Um, it is important to keep in mind we're only about 9% of the way through the season, so it's far from over, but I can't recall feeling quite like this at any point last year or the year before. I mean, 
just nothing went right this week, basically. I mean, it was truly like almost so bad. It was just entertaining in, in just a, a bad way, really. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a long time since I felt that way about the White Sox. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's been, yeah, obviously not fun. They, they're still, I, I think the outlook on the season of them hasn't changed a ton just because it is still so early in the season. But um, yeah, obviously not a lot of positive vibes now with, with how the past week has gone. Yeah, somewhere in there, Joe, you had a really good 2022 pocket schedule slogan. I've forgotten it already. Uh, but here, let's, because you're trying to breathe a little hope in the situation, only 9% of the season gone. Uh, this time last year, game and a half out of the uh, game and a half out of first place, uh, exact same position they are right now in the atrocious division. And it's the AL Central, where a 500 team is in first place and could be by season's end. Uh, Zach Hayes. Please give me an answer as to where you're feeling, what you're feeling, where you are, what you're feeling, and who you are when it comes to the Chicago White Sox. That's a whole lot to bite off. I can tell you what I'm feeling, which is um, obviously quite a lot of annoyance that so many (laughs) things have gone wrong. I'm not, I'm pretty balanced, I would say. I'm not swinging too low at the moment because this is how the team was built. This was what it was two weeks ago before everything started going wrong. It was a team that was not built to handle a whole lot of adversity or uh, to weather the kind of things that have happened over the past few weeks. So that's uh, they're sleeping in, in that particular bed that was made and they will have stretches of seven to 10 games where they go six and two or seven and one probably. And we won't feel so much of a type of way about them because it'll be in the middle of the season, you know, sandwiched around a million other games. And we're feeling it right now because we are two weeks in, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a sucky losing stretch that just tells you exactly how bad they can be, which is never fun to see. Yeah. All right. The promise was after a horrible opening day experience that I think, I believe he was not going to care about the White Sox for a month. He has betrayed that, but that's because he is a White Sox fan and he is here with us on the podcast Trooper, I imagine that you are not perhaps swinging terribly, terribly low. You're a little bit more in the just kind of shake your head mode. But if you're shaking your head, just how you feeling? Can you maintain some perspective and say, hey, listen, it is just 10% of the season and there's still a lot to go? Well, first off, White Sox, stop sucking. (laughs) Setting cat bear pig, she's beside herself. Just look at her. The thing that hisses me off most is that we've gone through the rebuild years. We've seen bad baseball, and we're supposed to be past that. And the second game of the doubleheader against the Indians, we saw a rebuild lineup. That was garbage. There was no excuse for it. There was no excuse for sitting better players in April who are healthy and ready to go, and some of whom are actually performing right now because you want to you bet Leary Garcia third for God knows what reason, or second, to take your pick. And I'm, I'm tired of this. Brett, the, the first podcast I did with you, and you, when you asked me about Tuli Lurusa and, and, and asked me if uh, like I was going to enjoy this season because of or in spite of him, and I said in spite of, 
What was one of the things I listed as a problem I had with LaRusso's, with picking LaRusso? Was his history of nepotism. LaRusso plays favorites. He did it when he was in Arizona. He took care of his buddies despite all evidence that they had no business being in the positions he put them in. And he's doing it now to the detriment of the team. And it is so tiresome to be subjected to this as a fan and just have to hi, have to accept this because there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing Rick Hahn can do about it, unfortunately. And it's just, just the frustration of knowing that he can suck as much as he wants and he's still going to have his job. Yeah, it does seem that way. Uh, absolutely true. Uh, you hate to be morbid, but um, this is a death thing, the owner or the manager. Uh, otherwise, I don't see how it's going to change. Crystal O'Keefe, the other half of the Indianapolis field office, not feeling great, having to cover a good amount of those seven losses. Uh, but only fair, you covered a lot of wins early in the season. You're just covering a lot. But Crystal, uh, where are you at? How are you feeling? Um, are you hanging in there? I'm very tired. <laughs> um I mean, yesterday I put in my six pack, just me screaming (laughs) for a hot minute to start it off with, because I was just like, I wanted to rage quit, um, mid six pack actually. Like I thought I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to write about baseball anymore. (laughs) I'm just constantly (laughs) depressed. Um, like what other team is playing right now? Because I just don't care. Yeah. Um, I took today off to go see some minor league baseball with my family because mm-hmm. I did not want to watch the White Sox today. I'm happy that I don't have to think about them until Tuesday when I do my six pack then. Um, I'm only going to watch them on Tuesday <laughs> because they're just at this point where it's just so frustrating and I mean, I know I, Tony sucks. There's no way around that. Tony should be managing this team a lot better, especially if it's a lot of like mental things, because I was reading something somewhere uh, where they were like, it's it's a lot of mental blocks right now with all of these injuries. And I'm like, well, um, where's Tony to call in a team therapist? Why is he not adjusting these to these errors why is Andrew Vaughn not playing every single day um so it's just it's just so frustrating and it boils down to just so many little things but Tony is like at the very top of that bubble and you know I hope that maybe like he'll get tired and be like well losing isn't fun I'm gonna just end my career but like you said, it's going to be a death thing. (laughs) One of them is going to like leave their body on earth and eventually someone's going to be let go. But man, it's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to cover. Like I am not having a good time. (laughs) Yeah. White Sox, the fact that we have so many wakes on these podcasts, I have to lay the blame at your feet. You know, you can divvy it up however you want in the front office with Tony sort of at your feet that too often we do have celebratory podcasts. We have one of our most listened to ones recently was when those whites had just a great day as Crystal would point out her story, made some great moves. AJ Pollock, the guy who, you know, has played a couple games so far this season. Uh, you know, we celebrate when there's good things to celebrate and hopefully 
in a week's time, we'll have a seven-game winning streak, and we'll be able to talk about how great Larry Garcia is. I can't wait for that. But right now, man, it is rough. Uh, permission, Crystal, to just copy and paste uh, that lead for game stories, uh, bird apps, uh, tweets, uh, six-pack, just the screaming. Uh, yeah. Because I think it's going to come up again this season. <laughs> so, it was... Just just program a Wilhelm scream, scream whenever anybody opens up the uh, recap page. I think that'll just help. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we'll be forced to delete it rather than add it. Yeah, at this point, it sort of feels the way it is because it's just sort of a, a shake your head kind of thing. We've had a bunch of different writers, a tons, ton of different voices in the last week. And, you know, all, everybody ends up having to say, well, <laughs> ah, sigh, deep breath, uh, et cetera. Um, it got really hard even coming up with MVPs. <laughs> I put Zach in one day. I put you, dear mm-hmm. reader, in one day. Mm-hmm. I put the family that kept catching all those foul balls. Like, mm-hmm. there is no MVP, and all of my cold cats are like all of the above. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, rest of team. Don't even vote because we know it's just everybody. Um, well, I guess before we get to some of the other suckage on the team, I guess let's talk about uh, the big news, I guess, from earlier today or, or late yesterday. And that, of course, uh, Loy Jimenez getting hurt again, uh, very crushed by it, um, you know, reportedly you know, crying in the training room, you know, just very upset. Obviously, the guy has been sort of snake bit, did the quick math very, very, very late last night or early in the morning, depending on how you want to date stamp the injury update on Southside Sox, but uh, 47% of games that he's been eligible to play in his career so far, he has missed. He's barely playing half of games, and that is all due to injury. I'm not uh, dinging him for there being a pandemic. Uh, And that's rough. That's rough. And unfortunately, he's not the only guy who has a percentage. I think he's maybe the lowest, but there's just a lot of players on this team who are are somewhat snake bitten. And there's a lot of frustration with the training staff and so forth. Some of these some of these are freak, but at some point it becomes too many guys. The the, the pile of bodies is getting too high to just say, well, everybody has to deal with it. Last year, we could say that to a degree. So far, the way things are starting off this year, I'm not really sure if the White Sox are basically average with the league in terms of uh, injury. I would say they're well behind uh, already. Uh, thoughts on Eloy or just the general fitness of the Southside team? It's just really unfortunate and there's not much that can be done to sugarcoat that situation. I mean, Jimenez was one of the players I was most excited about and toward the end of spring training. He put up some really good numbers in the spring and of course, after having missed as much time as he did last year after a spring training injury, I was really excited to see how he would come out this year. And you know, the little bit that we did see of him prior to this injury obviously wasn't too great. Certainly batting you know, worse than the league average hitter in this small sample size. And then to follow it up with an injury of most likely six to eight weeks, um, yeah, I, I really feel bad for him. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, very, very disappointing as well how you know, someone who should be one of the team's you know, most intimidating hitters um, will, who really makes the middle of the order look different. Um, yeah, to have him gone for any extended amount of time is it's just really rough. And um, yeah, certain, yeah, I, I would say I'm, there are a lot of things this week to be upset about but yeah that one very well maybe at the top of the list other thoughts on the team running out already of ace bandages and ice packs 
I was going to say like that one was, I feel like it could be completely preventable, but learning how to run the base is baseball 101. I mean, my nine-year-old knows how to run a base. I'm not saying he's at fault, but you know, they fired the strength and conditioning coach last year. They hired a new one and it's somehow worse than previous years. I feel like yeah, last year sucked injury-wise, but they're really just stacking up to the point where Keelan's heaven is, there's no room. <laughs> there's no room in heaven for any of these guys. Yes, yes. It you is going to be a centerfold soon. It's not just one page in the magazine. We don't have an outfield. We don't have starting pitching. It's just like enough is enough. I don't understand, aside from maybe just short and spring training, what is really the root cause of all of this. And it's... It's frustrating. There's been a little debate on site about how much this falls on uh, Eloy. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I don't really know what the percentage is, but it's not as if he has not injured himself on the base paths at least one time already. He basically missed the 2020 playoffs because he couldn't cut third base uh, properly. Again, maybe these are just freak things, but at some point, and it's not maybe just Eloy. It's it's um, a training staff that maybe hasn't prepared him to play. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't solve this stuff, but maybe Zach or uh, Trooper can. I, I don't know if the training staff is the right place to look uh, in terms of proactivity and the kind of problems they're having here. I think it kind of tracks with some of the other things that the organization has shown themselves to be consistently not very good at in terms of fundamentals and sort of teaching the basics from the ground floor up. It's like Crystal said, this is kind of baseball 101, how to go max effort while minimizing injury is a thing you can practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at how Bryce Harper used to play and how he's changed over the years. And the Padres have talked about it with Fernando Tatis and the way he plays. And this is a thing that they are very clearly not doing. And it seems to permeate. I mean, Larry Garcia has been around for 10 years and he's still sliding head first into her face, you know, to (laughs) – much to Steve Stone's <laughs> headache. So like a lot of the other issues they're having right now, this seems to be a fundamental adjustment that's not being applied, whether it's not being internalized or it's not being taught or something like that, but it comes off of the same tree, I think, as a lot of these other issues. I think a massive binder called the Cardinal Way is just ripe to be made fun of. But as opposed to having a pile of bodies and dead players, I would prefer something that I could easily make fun of, hashtag Cardinal Way, because at least then you'd believe there was a way, even if it was the wrong way. Maybe the White Sox way would be, oh, I was sort of afraid of what that binder would have in it. But at least there's a binder that you could point to and say, well, this is what they were supposed to do. And then if it's really bad, then I guess you just fire everybody, but then we can't do that because we have Tony Rusin, Jerry Ransdorf, and Rick Hahn and Kim Williams and oh, the Lord in heaven. Um, uh, well, uh, Hey, let's take a quick break and then let's come back and talk more about the White Sox. And maybe we can even wind this around so that, you know, something's positive. They're coming home. So, so I guess if they're playing badly, they'll hear booze. I, you know, I don't know if they're playing good. They'll hear a lot of cheers. Hey, come back, stick with us. We're coming back. You can come back if you want to, or you can just stick around. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, White Sox fans, it's podcast number 99. It's Mothership. I'm Brett Valentini getting the host of this. Again, sorry, the tone perhaps might be a little wakey, uh, but really not too cussy yet. I, you know, hey, good for us. We're Maybe we're just, it's just bled out of us. <laughs> oh, with this, the exciting season of championship window and two, three weeks in, the White Sox are free falling at six and nine. 
Thankfully, they're in the AL Central, which means, man, it's striking distance. It's like one sneeze and they're back in first place. So, hey, who knows? Next podcast, we'll be talking about the dominant, best in AL Central, best in baseball, whatever it's going to be. Run differential, perhaps slightly corrected, Chicago White Sox. Let's hope we get to do that. Uh, Liam Hendricks seems to have a problem tipping pitches. Liam Hendricks seems to not be able to get away with tipping pitches because he also seems to, I believe, at least Zach and I have spoken on this. We maybe all have had these individual discussions that when he's under siege a bit, when things aren't going well, he just wants to bristle up and just chuck the ball harder, which doesn't always work. Sometimes you can get away with it and it doesn't always work. Is the fact that we have a closer who has been very hot for a couple appearances and very cold for a couple appearances, uh, is this... Is this going to be a problem? It's already a problem at this point. Is this going to continue to be a problem? I think the fact is there are very, very, very few closers out there who are not going to give you problems. Closers are by nature infuriating. Can you remember the last time we had a closer who didn't make you have this kind of conversation once a year? I mean, it, it happens with most of them. It feels like, I don't know if he's tipping pitches or anymore. He can't throw a slider for a strike right now, and he keeps throwing the fastball right down the middle, and he keeps getting beat on it. It seems like a pretty simple thing. So, yeah, it's obviously a problem because, uh, you know, it's not good that you're this is your, your $60 million closer, but given that that's how simple the issues are, you know, throwing the breaking ball for a strike and commanding the fastball a little bit, um, I don't know how much you can really do about it other than just sort of let him work himself out of it as, as these players usually do. I mean, you're not going to demote them. So what's the conversation is there to be had really? And again, maybe this is just a rear back and chuck it mentality, but he is showing the laces every, every fastball it's out of the glove. And again, maybe that's not something, I mean, listen, I'm not in the major leagues. I'm not wearing the batter helmet. So, you know, maybe it is still difficult to pick up. It seems it's noticeable to me and I'm an idiot. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that can get corrected. And maybe that's not even the issue. Maybe he's just throwing hittable pitches. And as you just pointed out, Zach, he's not able to get <laughs> his occasional rare non-fastball pitches uh, over the plate. So I guess it's sort of a moot point whether he's showing the ball before he throws it, uh, if he can really only throw one pitch because a guy like Buxton is going to line that up and take it into the second deck. Uh, uh, Hendrick specifically or uh, a bullpen in general, the, the pitching again, just like last year, even though the headline names aren't there, uh, are, is carrying this team to six wins, but carrying this team, uh, you know, war-wise, the, the, the offense is basically nothing, nil, and uh, the pitching is actually doing pretty well, led by Michael Kopech and some other guys, uh, and the bullpen's actually holding up pretty well in spite of Liam Hendricks. Uh, uh, concerns, though, is this more than just the, well, it's the White Sox closer, so we're going to be a little nervous and get a little sweaty, uh, or is this something that uh, you, you might fear lingers into the season? You know, I'm not worried about Hendricks because like you said it's it's an identifiable problem and it's correctable one and you know as much as we might gripe about the White Sox they're they're not entirely stupid they see the same things we do they'll work on it and it can be corrected Uh, so I'm not super concerned about that and just the same way like you were talking about earlier with the injuries personally I don't want to assign blame for injuries because nobody's happy about it. It sucks for everybody. There's a variety of reasons that they could and could not happen. Things that uh, you maybe could or couldn't do to, to prevent it. I don't know. The best insurance for injuries is like we've always said, 
get more players than you can use and because you're going to have to use them eventually. And we don't have the waves of players, the waves of talent coming in that, that we were expecting that would help ensure that there was depth on the roster. Uh, you know, Mike Rodolfo is striking out at like a 45% rate in triple a. Uh, so unless you believe that uh, St. Blake of brothers Ford is going to come up and be our white knight. Uh, it's, it, there's, there's just not much to call upon. Adam Hazley was brought in to be that guy and he never has been that guy. And this, this is just what happens when you don't have those waves of talent. Uh, we have, some pretty intriguing talents in our system, but unfortunately none of them are really close. Uh, I think at the, at the earliest, we might see a couple of them uh, after the all-star break sometime. And that's if they, that's if they keep rolling. And uh, I'm, I think that's more, that's the larger concern is we didn't, we didn't go all in on free agency especially for position players. Let's face it, Leary Garcia and, was, was like our biggest free agent acquisition for the position side. And, and the only uh, bolstering we got in the outfield was a 34 year old guy with bad legs. Yeah. There's no help coming through the door. Um, you, you know, it's, it's just not happening. Johnny Cueto, you know, had a rough start. Okay, fine. It was his first start, but th- there's no guarantee. Everybody's like, man, I can't wait to get it. He's going to be just at least replacement level. He's going to be what you need for starter. Be Well, that's not even, that's not even guaranteed. Now, granted it's a difference between, him and Lambert and John Park and, you know, whatever, those are just going to be like, you know, beer leaguer, uh, you know, hope you score eight run starts maybe anyway, but you know, there, there's nothing in the system troopers you point out. That's, you know, there's nothing out there to rescue and even trade deadline. You wonder what the White Sox are going to be able to swing perhaps easier than the off season, uh, a total rental guy where you don't have to give him up much, but ah, didn't work out last year. So maybe we're due. We're due. Uh, Hey, let me throw this question at you. And I hate to get in the time machine and project, especially project negatively, but the best possible uh, balm for the White Sox is the fact that the Kansas City Royals are coming to town. The Kansas City Royals are god awful. The White Sox, you know, we can't crow because they're pretty bad, but the Royals are terrible. uh, And so you ought to get healthy. Now, look at the time machine. What if the series doesn't go well? Does this change how you're feeling? Because everybody, I think two of one has been generally like, hey, it's early. Joe pointed out 9% of the season, a run differential, who cares, Brad, tip of pitches. So what, you know, okay, come on. Things can get corrected. Guys will get healthy. White Sox should get healthier, not more injured. So things are still looking up. Uh, Fangraph still has the White Sox at 61% chance for the postseason. I know it was like 90, it was like 106 before the season, but okay. 61%. That's still the biggest chance of the AL central. Hooray for us. Uh, if this series doesn't go well with the Royals, say they drop two out of three, uh, we have a podcast, uh, an imaginary podcast midweek. Are you feeling differently or is it still just, okay, come on, Brett, shut up. It's not even May enough with your, with your clickbait podcast questions. Uh, how would you be feeling if we project to a, to a, a rough start of the week and this, this losing continues? If Tim Anderson can't do anything against the Royals, then I've lost <laughs> all hope in humanity and in life like you might as well just give up while you're ahead so if if he continues on this like streak of errors and terrible at bats and can't do anything against the team he allegedly owns then I don't know he might even get suspended again because 
That's another whole thing. Happen. He yeah. needs to control himself a bit more and focus to the game, focus in game because we can't afford any more suspensions and he can't get aggravated at the Royals when he's playing poorly. And he misses a couple weeks or more a season. You know, it's not like he's an Iron Man, so he can afford. Hey, you know, listen, I need a break, so I'm going to flip off the crowd. No, he's he's going to, you know, he's going to have a hamstring too. He's done it, I think, every year of his his career. So no, we really can't afford to have healthy guys taking themselves out of games. Uh, anyone else? Kansas City doesn't go so well. Does it start to change anything, or should I just shut up and stop asking you? If it doesn't go well, I don't think it means you write off the season or anything or say like, oh, no, they're right. they're screwed. But that's at the point where you start to be like, oh, oh, no, we <laughs> if it, yeah. and that's a real red flag. If you have a day off and come home and start a homestand against the worst team in the division and you can't snap out of the funk, then you start to wonder. I mean, at what point last year did you did you really think, oh, man, the twins are just not going to put it together. It's just right. not going to it's not going to click. And that was for me, I felt like a pretty early point where you're able to look at them and say, oh, there's just a lot of things going wrong. And it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to get it together in time. And there might be a point sooner than we would like uh, with the White Sox where we start to have those creeping feelings. And a bad series against the Royals would go a long way towards making that more of a reality and uh, no one, no one wants to see that. Can I just quickly place blame somewhere? Actually, I would like to blame the White Sox talk Twitter account <laughs> for that bullshit us wondering where the rest of the vision is going to show up this year because yeah. it's not looking great right now. Yeah. The screenshots. I knew the Tigers were going to be better, but man, when you've got the guardians and the twins up your ass and yeah. you could possibly blow it against the Royals, I blame them. Well, that, eight, that is a problem. The, the screenshots are forever. Listen, let, not, let's not pretend this, this should be uh, to, to, to what Zach just said, you know, there's a difference. And now uh, at some point when we really wrote off the twins where they're like, we're close to eliminate or just, we knew what was going to happen. I want to say it was when the white Sox like manhandle them. It was like even July where it's like, okay, I think they're dead. You know, the difference between, Oh man, this is going to be rough and we're going to all get gray hair watching the season versus, okay, they're going to bounce back. And by May, they're going to be back in first place. Just like, you know, last year, and this is going to be an easy season, which was promised us. I get it. You know, the bad juju or whatever, but you know, let's, let's be real. This is a horrible division and the white Sox are clearly the best team. I think we've all agreed on that, no matter how much teams are creeping up on them. Uh, the idea that even a tough series against Kansas City is going to make you go, Oh my God, this, this season is going to be, I mean, not that they even give up hope, but it's going to be rough. We're going to hope to be a little bit over 500. Uh, you know, that's a big difference. We can't write off the season until God, it's going to be like, one week left in, in the season before we say, okay, it's definitely done for good. Cause nobody's going to break out of the pack unless it's the white Sox. But uh, yeah, fair enough. White Sox talk, man. It, it's going to be hard for them to live it down. They're already catching a ton of hell about that. So sorry, former employer. <laughs> you just should be so spicy. Uh, Trooper Joe, uh, uh, either of you, what do you feel if, if there is struggle against the Can- Kansas city Royals? The Joe, you Kansas go Royals. ahead. Cause I'm probably going to be not safe for work on this one. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, it, it's never about one series in a long season. Uh, I, I would start to be a little bit. I, I would start to show a little bit more urgency, I guess, as as a as a fan. Um, like if if they end up after this home series against the Royals at what would that be a seven and eleven record if they lost two out of three? Um, 
yeah, that would be a little bit alarming given that overall up to this point, just their schedule hasn't been overly difficult. They're not really going up against the perennial World Series contenders. And um, to, yeah, to kind of lay an egg at home against the Royals would be a, a little bit alarming. Yeah. And um, yes, um, yeah, as Zach said, it wouldn't be the end of the season by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but yeah, it would, it would be, a, it would change my outlook. Um, a little bit more than this past series against the Twins had, simply because, yeah, the, heading into the series against the Twins, they were at least 500, and um, obviously the clunker of a series that they kind of had, um, you know, if they were to build on that with an, yet another clunker um, against a team that wasn't really expected to make any sort of serious, you know, a serious run at the AL Central title, that that would be a, that would look very bad. White Sox, this is your last year to feast on the AL Central. I know the AL Central is getting better. Okay, come on. This is your last year to feast on them. <laughs> Would you please start feasting? I know we're not in, exactly in position to feast. There's a lot of injured players. The pitching staff is somewhat in shambles. But again, the team was sort of built that way, so we can only lament it so much. Uh, May 4th, that's your target date. That was first place last year. Uh, this time last year, 11-9. and nine. Same amount out of first place. I'd like 11-9 and nine better than 6-9, and nine, but okay. You know, that's fine. Point is, you're still within striking distance, a good series and good homestand puts the White Sox back in first place, I suppose. Uh, any final thoughts on this uh, challenging week, uh, safer work or otherwise? Uh, any parting thoughts? Anything you'd like well, to do to encourage me with? If these guys lose to the Royals, I mean, I'd just like to ask, what the fuck is Tony doing here? All right? You, you, he can't. He can't put together a lineup properly to save his life, it seems. His in-game strategy sucks shit. His entire team is just coming out dead-ass game after game after game with shit fundamentals. And, like, seriously, they're, they're in a total malaise. If you're going to do – seriously, Tony, I would love to be impressed. Get your team out of whatever funk they're in, get up off your ass, and get this team in the game. Do something of, that, of value that we can point to and say, hey, look, Tony got him back on track. Because otherwise, what the fuck is he doing here? He's doing nothing of value. If anything, he's detracting from this team. And, and it's just astonishing that Jerry Reinsdorf let his, his dumbass GM spend $190 million on this team without adding pretty much anything to it year over year. And then he lets his dumbass manager, his best buddy, fuck this team up as much as possible. Like, like this is it. This is the year. This is supposed to be what we were all waiting for. And this is terrible. I have never felt this bad. Not even in the rebuild did I feel this bad, because at least I could look at during the rebuild and say they're supposed to be this bad. I'm not, they're not playing for draft picks anymore. All right. We we shouldn't be seeing this. There are a lot of pocket schedule uh, slogans there in what uh, Trooper just had to say. Um, I'll just choose the one that could actually be printed, and that is, we would love to be impressed. White Sox, we would love to be impressed. White Sox 2022, we would love to be impressed. Uh, it's true. And listen, <laughs> don't say he didn't warn you. Trooper, bring it home. Bring it home in the way that only he can. Hey, listen, it's Jackie Kressel's birthday. She didn't join us. I had a song ready for everything. Sorry, Jackie. We'll just wait another year. And next, uh, April 24, 
hey, maybe you get it. Happy birthday, Jackie. Sorry, the White Sox really sucked in the week leading up to your birthday. Maybe just skip it next year if this sort of thing starts to become a habit. Okay, well, uh, Indianapolis Field Office, Crystal O'Keefe, Super Joseph Reeses, Zach Hayes, doing a bang-up job this year on coverage for us. Crystal as well. You guys are both cranking it out. Trooper Galactus, thank you for bringing it home in the way that only you can. Glad to have you with us. And hey, all of you out there, thanks for listening to a podcast following up on a seven-straight loss White Sox team. Six and nine. Oh, gosh, they're still in striking distance. It's 2022. The window of contention is wide open, and we are ready to ascend back to first place. Let's start doing it this week at home against the Kansas City Royals. It's just the way the script was written. Uh, we'll do another podcast at some point. Uh, hopefully it won't be awake. Podcast 100 coming up. Oh, I don't know what sort of bills and whistles we're going to have. Maybe I will sing a song for Jackie Crystal. It'll just be the 100th podcast song. Anyhow, thanks. My name is Rep Valentini. Thanks to all my guests. Thank you for reading, watching, listening. Uh, we'll be back sooner than you're probably ready for us. Got a big week. Let's enjoy it.